11 on the ice. Powered by your local Honda dealers. ShopHonda.com. Well, games may be postponed, but we are not postponed here on 11 on the Ice. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jenna Harner with two of the best guys you will ever talk hockey with, the old 2-9er, two-time Stanley Cup champion Phil Bork, and the center of the top line at DKPittsburghSports.com, Dayan Kovacevic. And this week, we start with the Penguins adapting to changes because of COVID-19. We're not dealing with anything every, any other team isn't dealing with. We're all dealing with the same thing. And uh, this is a discussion that we have with our players uh, almost daily. And uh, we just have to continue to be adaptable and we have to be willing to embrace change. Sully says no excuses, but now six teams have been the source of game postponements, three in just the last week with the Devils, Sabres, and the Minnesota Wild. And the Penguins' John Marino became the first Penguins player added to the COVID protocol in the last few days, although he is back skating with the team already. So the NHL is taking additional steps to stop the spread. The league will remove the shielding behind each bench to help with the airflow. Teams and coaches will not be allowed to arrive until an hour 45 before game time and they have to leave as quickly as possible by February 10th teams must accommodate more locker room space to keep players six feet apart and portable air cleaners may be placed behind player benches and it's all to keep the game going inconvenient in certain ways that some some of the things are uh, I think we we've been doing a good job of reminding ourselves that what it means and what it leads to and and that at the same time, there's there's a lot of people around the world that are struggling a lot more to, to get through their day. So Phil, Dan, and I are going to dig deeper into the NHL's COVID situation. With the additional steps, is the league doing enough to keep the season from going the way the NWHL did when they had to stop their season before crowning a champion? Phil, I'll start with you on this one. I think they are. They're trying. They're trying to be proactive, and they're reacting to... Uh, what's happened recently, and you mentioned the New Jersey Devils, who the Penguins are supposed to play 19 cases. Well, not necessarily cases. That's the thing. We don't really know if they are cases or it's just contact tracing. So I think for the most part, it's contact tracing. I like all the steps that they're doing, the HEPA filters they're bringing in. One thing that was not on that list, I think it's going to really affect the players, is the team meetings now have to be virtual. So when you do your power play and penalty kill meetings, you're doing them via a, a laptop where usually it was face-to-face. -face. Uh, I think also... A big adjustment for the players is this an hour and 45 minutes before puck drop. You know, unless you have an injury, for a lot of players, that's a big adjustment, especially in this compressed schedule. They like to get there early. They like to do their certain warm-ups. So for players, it doesn't sound like much, folks, but for a lot of players, it's a big deal. Yeah, we know their routines. We know them so well. Dan, is the league doing the right things here? Is this kind of more of a complicated thing than a lot of people thought pulling off earlier this season? Well, the league is doing the only thing. Let's put it that way. It's a race against time. Uh, everyone knows that the vaccines are being distributed. Uh, how smoothly can you pull this off while that's happening around us? And while at the same time on the business end of the NHL's operations and the 31 teams, they have to start worrying about bringing people into the buildings, bringing fans into the buildings. In some places like Dallas and a couple others, they're doing that now. Pittsburgh hopefully will be soon, the way things are going around here. Uh, here's one point I'd really like to make. The, we've seen now in Pittsburgh, all three of our teams have taken a point of pride, have made it a point of pride to stay in the great shape with this sort of thing. The Pirates, the Steelers, and now the Penguins. They've all been good at this. 
Coaches and managers love to emphasize that. They love to push that as a team thing. You need to be available to your team. It's been great so far for the Penguins. So let's take it a step further. The Super Bowl is tomorrow. The NFL got through its season, although with fewer games than the NHL. The NBA had some issues. Baseball had some issues when they restarted. College sports has been an absolute mess. So how is the NHL doing compared to other sports in your view, Dan? Uh, I mean, it's now is the time to compare because the NHL before was in that bubble up in Canada when everything was, to be honest with you, kind of easy. Uh, I think they've done a terrific job so far. There were some parts of the Buffalo, New Jersey thing that I might have handled a little bit differently, but lessons get learned along the way. And it seems like there's always been that team. We had the Marlins, we had the Titans mm -hmm. to kind of make that example. Borky, how are they kind of doing compared to these other leagues right now? I think they're doing well. I think just from a, a 30,000 feet uh, view, it looks like, wow, you got a lot of players on this list. But I think it's just being cautiously um, diligent and, and uh, dialing it back. And here's the one thing I will say. If you're continuing to miss games here, I think the points percentage thing is really going to come into play. Where last year we saw that, where some teams only played 68 games, some, people, uh, some teams played 71 games. So if you're not able to play all the games, all 56, you better get your cookies right now because it might come down <laughs> to points percentage. Points are so important as we've talked about with this shortened season. So with the Penguins getting an unexpected break, we have to put the question out there, recognizing it's never good when someone is dealing with COVID. But is this a way kind of a good thing for the Penguins in terms of writing what's wrong with them right now and just dealing with all of the injuries that they're dealing with, Porky? Yeah, absolutely. you got to take advantage of these days that you're getting. This, this is unheard of in this schedule to get four days off where you can get rest and work and get that good uh, ratio where you can work on conditioning. You can work on special teams. Oh, yes, no. can, yes, I said it first. <laughs> you can work on the power play. But, yeah, you have to take full advantage of this. And it, it doesn't seem like the actual COVID, the actual uh, has come into the Penguins locker room. Yes, you had John Marino. But for the most part, this is a healthy group. Uh, they're getting healthier on the back end. you got to take full advantage of this because you got a lot of games coming up against the Islanders and the Capitals. And we were seeing with practice this week, guys getting added compared to guys getting yeah. taken away, something we haven't seen in a little bit. Dan, is it kind of beneficial that obviously they didn't want to have this break, but now that they do, they have these days to rest, recuperate. Like Borky said, well, put an emphasis on special yeah, teams. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Chris Letang come back to practice. We've seen Mike Matheson come back to practice. We've seen Zach Aston Reese exist. This is <laughs> a good thing. Uh, we've seen them spend extra time on the power play. We see them set up drills to shoot the puck on the power play. And don't forget this too, the goaltending has gotten a little bit of extra work and side work as well. And that's also needed. Well, thank you guys. We will show you how the Penguins are starting on a month-long campaign to recognize Black History Month. And the team is back on the ice tonight against the Islanders. We'll show you what to expect in the game when 11 on the ice, sponsored by Honda, returns. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
and welcome back to 11 on the ice sponsored by Honda. The Penguins are taking part in several programs this month in honor of Black History Month and it started on Friday with a virtual chat from two time Stanley Cup champion Trevor Daly. He talked about how the Penguins will soon be helping to give more kids the opportunity to play hockey. What the Pittsburgh Penguins are, are about to to commit to and willing to do is is to form opportunity and, and this sport's very expensive and that's the and that's the, sh the, the shameful part about this sport is Josh's, is, um, you know, moving forward, we're not, unless we do something, unless we create opportunities like this for, um, for kids that can't afford to play hockey. And, and I'm not just saying black kids, Josh, I mean, every kid, um, mm -hmm. I don't care who you look like. I, I'm, I'm, I want every kid to, to, to have an opportunity. And as long as we don't, as long as the, the game keeps going the way it's going, you're just not going to have the best athletes. You're just going to have the, the, the kids that can afford to play the game. And so it's so important for, for other teams around the league, um, you know, being in, in the position that they're in to, to take this initiative and, and give back to, to these, um, these lower income communities to, to help them become, you know, hockey players and give them opportunities. It's, it's so important because like I said, you're, and I'll say, I'll say it again, you're, you're not going to get the best athletes. You're just going to get the kids that could afford it. And, and that's not good for the game either. Such a great initiative there. Well, the Penguins have three more programs you can register to be part of on their website. Next on February 10th, Kids Breaking Barriers, showcasing bravery on and off the ice. The virtual panel will include an appearance from Penguins defenseman P.O. Joseph. The Penguins and the Islanders have something in common heading into tonight's game in New York. 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Honda. We'll be right back. Welcome back to 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Honda. The New York Islanders are the Penguins' opponent tonight. They also missed their last two games because of their opponent's COVID issues. So the Islanders got a break, just like the Penguins did, having their Tuesday and Thursday games with the Sabres postponed. And they might need it a little bit more than the Penguins. The Islanders in the midst of a five-game losing streak. Borky, we'll start with you. What are you focusing in on on scouting the Islanders? Well, first of all, get used to playing the Islanders. You got them six times in <laughs> February, and you know, they're a pain in the backside to play against when they're playing their style. But what I'm really going to dial in on is that fourth line, Casey Zizekas, Cal Clutterbuck, and Matt Martin. I think it's kind of the identity of their team. Listen, they're a lunch pail type of team. They've got a Matt Barzell, and they've got an Andres Lee. They've got some star players that can put the biscuit in the basket. But a lot of their momentum and really the identity of their team is the muckers, the grinders, the grit guys like this Casey Zizekas, Cal Clutterbuck, Matt, Matt Martin line. They make it miserable for the Penguins defensemen, and they are a physical bunch that I really think is the identity of the Islanders. Dan, who do you have your eye on in this matchup? Well, I mean, the eye, if you're the Penguins, has to be on Matt Barzell because no one else is scoring for the Islanders. They've <laughs> scored 19 goals in nine games. That's the thing that's been the killer for them. Uh, Barzell has been spectacular. Look at that goal we just showed. <laughs> I mean, it's not just that he's flying into the zone. He's always done that. He's always capable of stick handling around people. The difference now with this Barzell is that he's releasing the puck. 
as opposed to what he's done in the past, which is just go ahead and dangle some more. Uh, but the rest of the team, you know, Borky mentioned Anders Lee. They have a handful of guys who should be scoring goals, Josh Bailey. Uh, they have good players. I thought this was going to be the class of the division, and it isn't. Well, the defense is finally starting to get healthier for the Penguins with Chris Letang and Mike Matheson on the ice. Letang talking about how the D has looked through all the injuries here. I think guys put their head down, kept working, and trying to get as many points as we could get. So I think we showed, showed a lot of that. I think throughout our lineup, guys were, are proud, proud guys, and they want to win. Um, we just have to find a way to um, compete for 60 minutes the right way. So how are you guys viewing how the Penguins have put the pieces together of this crumbled up defense early in the season, Dan? Well, I've liked the way some of the individuals have played. I, I like the fact that Cody Ceci has embraced an opportunity to be somewhere new in a new situation where he kind of got beat up a lot in Ottawa and Toronto where they were expecting him to you know, be some first round star because of where he was drafted. Uh, I think Yannick Weber's held his own. Chad Ruedel's played very good hockey for the Penguins. We've talked a lot about Pierre-Olivier Joseph. What I want to see is that once these guys start coming back, like Latang and Matheson, that you don't lose that. And you know what I'm talking about when I say that, because we've seen that in the past. As soon as the regulars start coming back, everybody kind of relaxes a little bit. That can't happen. Borky, how have they kind of pieced things together here, obviously knowing that they have been so injury-plagued? No, I think whether it's uh, our radio broadcast or here on 11 on the Ice, we've been critical at times on the mm -hmm. Penguins defensemen as a group, but it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. They need to defend as a five-man unit. But to get to your question, yeah, I think guys like John Marino, Chris Letang, and Mike Matheson, guys that I think are your top guys, should be in your top four, they all need to be better. I think that's safe to say. We don't have to get in details and jump on the pile here. But yeah, I mean, as a group, as a whole, they've been good. They know they have to be better, but when you got guys like Weber and CeCe, and you mentioned Chad Ruedel, guys that just kind of been doing their job and not really noticed and not really a liability, I think that's a good thing. 2-9, let's face it, it always comes down to Latang, though, doesn't it? It really <laughs> yes, does. It does. We, can yeah. we can throw out all the names we want to here, but it still comes down to how 58's going. I agree. It really does. Well, Mike Sullivan was asked about what he's liking the most in the emergence of P.O. Joseph on the blue line. Uh, my observation, the biggest thing, the biggest uh, uh, jump that he's made in the development aspect is his strength and his speed. And, uh, and, and I think part of that is just the organic process of development. And, you know, he's growing into his body. He's also got another year of pro hockey under his belt. Uh, and, and as he plays at, at this level, he's gaining more confidence. Well, he's off to a good start. Borky, how does he keep it going here? Just keep it simple. Keep doing the same things. I think he knows his limitations. I like what Sully said. Yes, his strength and his speed is, is all part of his game. But there's been a lot of guys that are strong and have good speed. But the thing for me with P.O. Joseph, he's smart. And he's able to put that all together. He knows what he can do. But more importantly, he knows what he cannot do. He keeps it simple. He makes a smart play. He makes the easy play. And that's why I think he'll, he'll be a long time in the National Hockey League. Because when you have those smarts, and you have the God-given skill, plus that long stick, that long ranginess that he has with the smarts. He's just become a solid player that's not overwhelmed by the opponent or the venue he's playing at. Dane, how do you see this young player in P.O. Joseph kind of keep this momentum rolling? Everything that we've seen, we have to love. I mean, he's been that solid. And any time that he should stray from that in the future, he should pop in a video of Marcus <laughs> Pedersen and just say, this is it. 
I'm going to just become Pedersen again for a week because that's what Marcus has done to really establish himself as a significant NHL defenseman. That's what you want to see from Joseph, both of those guys. Can you imagine if that's your left side of your defense for your Penguins for a while? A lot to like. Well, let's go top shelf. Only two games to pull from the Rangers games last Saturday and Monday. And we start with Kasperi Kapanen's slick breakaway, guys. We knew his speed was going to be a factor, but this was just a thing of beauty here. It was a great great pass by Gino, too. Let's give Gino a little bit of love here. We've been, we've been jumping <laughs> we've been on him. We've been rough on him, man. But, but uh, yeah, Gino makes a great pass here. But... On, on this play, yeah, we talk about the speed and the finish and the skill and all that, but you got to back it up a little bit because the anticipation to know that puck's going to get to Geno, let me use my speed, let me get to open ice, and then with buttery soft hands, go top shelf over the glove. Yeah, that's it. To me, the elite part of this is his break through the neutral zone. He's got those two Rangers there, but he anticipates what, two steps ahead there? Because he starts making that break, Phil, before Geno even gets the puck. Uh, that's when you've got instincts, it's almost like his dad played in the NHL or something, right? <laughs> he did! Oh, wait, he did! <laughs> well, we can't go top shelf, it seems, without talking about the captain. This time, his three-on-three -three overtime game winner. They were able to hold the puck in this zone for such a long time when we were watching this, guys. Well, the, the my favorite part of this goal is that it, it basically uh, ended the career of, of Tony D'Angelo, I guess, in the NHL. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, hey, sure. That's that's fine too, uh, but you know I I'm watching a game with my son and my son says, Sid shoot the goalie can't stop anything and he actually couldn't so Sid Sid did the right thing you could see Sid in other situations maybe holding the puck there and trying something else. I, I wish I could telestrate this a little and back it up because yeah it was Sid that forced the goaltender to turn the puck over and then it got recycled mm -hmm. again the little give and go there with P.O. Joseph mm -hmm. and Sid taking what is given right. Shoot. Shoot, the puck. shoot the puck, he went five hole, it found the back of the net for the GWG and OT. You're also allowed to shoot on power plays. And our <laughs> final top shelf play from Monday, that you are. Jason Zucker with a big effort in front of the net to get the pens on the board. Just, you know, not, not giving in here, just saying, hey, we're going to put the puck in the back of the net. Well, that's, that's anticipation right there. That's hockey smarts. Sticking the left leg out on a six foot six defenseman in Miller and then getting strong on the stick and, and show. That's not pretty. That's not a pretty goal. But last time I looked at the NHL.com, there wasn't a category for pretty goals, mm -mm. just goals. Three goals in his last four games. He's been impressive for sure. Well, the guys battle it out over their three stars next on 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Honda. And welcome to Overtime on the Ice. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Phil Bork and Dane Kovacevic. Guys, I feel like we have to talk about the Penguins' power play. They've had a break this week with the COVID issues on the Devils postponing those two games. And we've seen them work on it a lot in practice this week. First of all, I guess we should start with what has been the issue. I feel like it's easy to say, but Dan, what can you pinpoint has been the struggle here? Well, they haven't shot the puck. Over to you, <laughs> Phil. I, I mean, no, seriously, they have 67 shots on the power play taken over 10 games. It's by far the lowest in the NHL. Uh, this isn't even really an opinion. Uh, you know, they, they have gained the zone. They've set up. 
If they weren't doing those two things, you could start talking about other aspects. But they're doing all these things, and they're doing them fairly effortlessly and efficiently. They get there, they see a chance, they see something, and they choose to do something else. Or they do one of those, this, these are worse. They do these little flips, these soft flips into the, into the slot area that get easily intercepted because the other team knows exactly what's coming. And there the puck goes again. And then they stay out for a minute and a half, and then the guys who do want to shoot are only out there for about 25 seconds. Now over to you, Phil. <laughs> Too easy there. Yeah, Phil, I mean, what, <laughs> I mean, what's just been so frustrating about this? Because they do have the opportunities. They are gaining the zone, and they're keeping the puck in the zone and finding lanes, but they're not shooting. No, you're right. And when they do shoot, a lot of the shots are either wide of the net or they're being blocked. So, yeah, that's the other layer of it at getting pucks through. You know, I watch a lot of games just like you watch a lot of games. And, you know, I was watching Adam Fox from the New York Rangers and you, the play that he made that beat the Penguins the other night in New York. It's just a wrister, but it's more than just a wrister towards the cage. It's moving a little la laterally left, laterally right, and getting that shooting lane and getting it through. So it's with a purpose. It's one thing to just bury your head and shoot the puck because the coach is screaming, you got to shoot on the power play. Joe Blow at section 212 wants you to shoot the puck. There's more <laughs> to it than just shooting the puck. It's getting it through. But the other thing for me is early on, the Penguins scored five power play goals in the first five games. They were predictable to themselves, but unpredictable to their teammates. Now it seems to be a little bit of chaos where nobody's really sure of where everybody's supposed to be. I don't see Sidney Crosby touching the puck in the power play enough for my like. I want to see him touching the puck more. I want hmm. to maybe see Sid in front of the net, Sid behind the net with the puck on the stick. I don't see that bump up, bump out play that Philadelphia uses, Washington uses, Boston uses. I don't see that to be a play for the Penguins because hmm. they don't have that right-hand shot. But the other part is, who is going to be that right-hand shot on the left side of the ice? Is it going to be Brian Rust? Mm -mm. No. Know who I think it should be? Mm -hmm. I think it should be Kasparri Kapanen. Yes. Right? Yes. This is why Phil is here. the pill. Yes. He will shoot the puck with a purpose to get it on the goal. I thought that's why they were getting him, the Phil. the first shot that goes in. Right. It's a second and third opportunity with all that skill that you have on the ice. I thought that's why they were bringing him here. You know, he was not that he was supposed to be Alex Ovechkin over there in the left circle, but he's also not Phil Kessel over there where he has no right. one-timer. He can shoot the puck. You have to start thinking of things, designing things, but also putting personnel out there. That play that Phil just described that Fox did from the Rangers is exactly what Pierre Olivier Joseph did right. with that drift. You know which, yep. you know which one I'm talking yep. about, that drift. He found his he own found lane. lane. He found his own hole, and he put it through there, and then Tanev deflects it. Uh, that's power play hockey. That's been power play hockey for 100 years. This yeah. isn't innovative here. They need to get back to it, and if that means changing personnel, go right ahead and do it. Hurt feelings. You guys make it sound so simple there. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to what you want to see in this upcoming game with the Islanders, obviously improvements on the power player one. What else do you need to see from this Penguins team that is hopefully getting some guys back on defense? We've seen them kind of come back and practice this week. A big boost having a little bit of this time off here, not playing the Devils. Well, if you're talking about playing the New York Islanders, you have to beat them at their own game. And that is being watertight defensively. And when you get the opportunities, you counterattack like your life depends on it. That's the way the Islanders play. And they just wait and wait and wait for you to make a mistake. And then they just, they hound you and they get pucks to the net. So it, it sounds like a little bit boring hockey. And it'll be a tough one for the Penguins to swallow. A lot of their skilled players. But listen, sometimes when you play the Devils or you play the Islanders that play this style so well, you have to beat them at their own game. Dan, what do you want to see from them uh, in this game? How about elite goaltending? 
How about let's see that for the first time this season, uh, whether it's from Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith. Uh, the Penguins have had the second-worst goaltending in the NHL uh, by any metric, old school or advanced, through this point in the season. That's not acceptable. What you don't want, Jenna, is to have the Islanders get ahead because of all the things that Phil just mentioned. Uh, that's when they start finding their comfort zone and they start doing that Barry Trotz hockey thing. Uh, you can't let them have that goal. You especially can't let them have some cheapie early on. So let's see Tristan Jari. Actually, I'm just going to single him out here. Let's see Tristan Jari go into tonight's game and into this weekend with the mindset, you know what? I've had a break here. I've had a few days here. My head's back on. I'm about to become the Tristan Jari who was a top 10 goaltender in the NHL last season, and I'm going to carry my team through this weekend. How about that? Yeah, you give the Islanders a one or two goal lead, and that probably mm -hmm. is one that you are not coming, coming back against. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us, and thank you for joining us on Overtime on the Ice.